Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 58, Up and Down the Hill Thrill. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Jim from Denver. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. Been a good day. It's kind of warm here now, but yeah. Hopefully it stays warm, it doesn't get too cool, and hopefully the humidity does not get to you. No, we, we don't have much humidity in Denver, so we're good that way. Perfect. So all that humidity you were supposed to have there, you just brought it over to where I am. So I guess so. It's fair. <laughs> So, first of all, I have to ask, well, how did you get the name Jim from Denver? Because that was mentioned in the emails, and I have to ask. Well, I, I just, I just kind of thought of it off the cuff. Uh, my name is James. Uh, people call me Jim, and I live in Denver. So, you know, I just kind of put the two together. Uh, I think anybody who knows me through the mountain bike community out here knows my voice, and they'll probably figure it out. Okay, so if people are from the mountain bike community and recognize his voice without hearing his name in the first part, just shout it out. Hey, I know that guy. That's Jim from Denver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of which, to add on a little bit more to your backstory, who is Jim? Well, Jim is a, uh, at this point in my life, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I work with a homeless coalition. I do uh, clinical work with people who are or have been recently homeless. No, that's very, that's very honorable. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, in the past I did, I did other things. I, uh, I played, uh, in bands. I, uh, studied to be a machinist at one point in my life. Eventually I came around to this profession and I've been with it for almost 20 years. Wow. So you dipped your toes in a bunch of different things and yep. the toes that you dipped onto your bicycle are the ones that stuck. Right. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. You, I, I, I'll let you lead with the question. So uh, just, yeah. <laughs> You're getting ahead. You like. Yeah, no. Okay, perfect. Okay. Uh, so yes, your hobby is mountain biking. Uh, how did you get introduced to mountain biking? Well, uh, how, how long should I make this? I mean, is really brief and concise or? Go as your heart content. Just go as okay. long as you want. Okay. Yeah. I guess you can edit out the parts you don't like. I like every part. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, in, I was living in the Boston area and uh, I didn't have a car and the, um, they have a good public transportation system there, but sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's hard to always rely on uh, public transportation. They call it the T in Boston. I don't know where you're from, but if you know anything about Boston, you know something, you know what the T is. And uh, I, I had no car and I had a job uh, in, in town in Boston and I lived in one of the outlying areas called Alston. And, uh, you know, I, not having a car, which is very impractical in Boston, I, I started riding my bike to work. Um, I had a fairly decent road bike at the time. And uh, the streets in Boston were not in very good shape at that time. I, I haven't lived there for almost 20 years, so I don't know what they're like now. But uh, it's a, you know, it's a New England city and New England cities, uh, the streets get pretty beat up by the winter and uh, the freeze and thaw and that sort of thing. So my road bike was getting pretty beat up. The wheels would go out of alignment and that sort of thing. And it wasn't a very comfortable ride. So I, I had heard about this new, fairly new thing at the time. Uh, this is probably around 1988 called mountain bikes. And it really appealed to me because they were very sturdy looking bicycles uh, with bigger tires. And I thought they could handle the, you know, the rough and tumble of Boston streets. 
Um, so I, I saved up some money and uh, I found a local bike shop where the people, you know, were nice and approachable. And I bought my first mountain bike, which was uh, made by a company that I think is still around called Nishiki. It cost, uh, I don't know, I think it cost about $350 at the time, which seemed like a lot of money to me for a bicycle. And I, you know, I rode it back and forth to work, you know, as, as I had planned to. Uh, and then uh, somebody that I worked with, I, I actually worked in a musical instrument store. Uh, and one of the people that I worked with had gotten into uh, mountain biking uh, in the purest sense, which is off-road. And he convinced me to come out and try riding on the trails with my mountain bike. And I figured, well, you know, I've got the bike for it. Why not try it? Uh, so we uh, we met up one Saturday morning at a at a park uh, north of the city called the Middlesex Fells, um, which had a network of trails. And uh, I started there and uh, I was hooked. That's cool. That's cool. It's like it's out of like a problem that you found a hobby per se. That's kind of cool. Right. You know, I was I was playing in bands uh, up until that point. And, um, you know, the music thing wasn't really panning out. And uh, I was living the lifestyle of a rock musician. I don't I don't need to go into too many details, but this represented kind of a healthy uh, outlet that, you know, being a, a, a rock musician, you know, staying up late at night and getting into maybe some uh, drinking and some other recreational pursuits. So not very healthy. And, uh, you know, as I was approaching my 30th birthday, I was thinking, you know, I need to probably uh, start taking care, better care of myself. And uh, this, you know, this uh, not only did I just enjoy just being out in the woods on the bicycle, it was also a great form of exercise. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how how it all began. So it kind of like touched a, di a bunch of different things. And it's great that it lets you enjoy the outdoors and also have a full out workout. Like going uphill could be pretty intense, especially for mountain bikes. And yeah, it's just like, yeah, it it's, um, it's a little bit everything. I mean, on a road bike, you're, you're pretty much, uh, you know, you're negotiating the terrain, but you're on paved surfaces. Whereas on a mountain bike, you're on a, uh, a trail. Sometimes they're pretty narrow. We call it single track. It's only big enough for one bike to, you know, go up the trail at a time. But, you know, there there are rocks and um, there are roots, things like that. Things that hikers, you know, hikers need to just, you know, kind of negotiate. But when you're on a bicycle, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a physical challenge first and foremost, but it's, you know, it's also a mental challenge because you have to kind of think about you know, how are you going to negotiate a section of trail or that sort of thing? So, yeah. I feel like when you first started, it, it took you some time to adjust your eyes to notice these things. But nowadays, I feel like you can identify like when a root or a bump's about to come, you're really good at reading the terrain. Right. I am. And and I got to say, and the, what is this is about my 30th year of riding off road that bikes have, of course, progressed and gotten a lot better than the bike I started out with. So speaking of which, uh, your bike there, sorry, speaking of which the bike you started off with, do you still remember the features that were on it and the model? Yeah, it was called a Nishiki Colorado. And, uh, that's a Japanese brand. I believe it was actually made in Japan at the time. Uh, it had a steel frame and, uh, a rigid fork. Um, I believe it had 27 gears and, uh, the lowest gears um, are the ones you use when you're climbing steep hills and steep 
features and the highest gears are, you know, for when you get a, a section of downhill or, or when you're riding on the road, uh, you might use the higher gears, you know, and it was, it was a pretty basic bike, but it got me started. So you started basically, but uh, how many bikes have you had since this bike? Uh, I, I'm on my sixth bike. Oh, wow. At this point, um, I, I, what happened with the, uh, with the first bike, the Nishiki was, uh, I was c commuting and, uh, I had no real problem with the bike, but I, you know, as I was getting into the sport, I started thinking, you know, maybe one of these days I'm going to need to upgrade. And lo and behold, um, on one of my commutes in an area in, uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right outside of Harvard Square, I, I had an accident with a car. And uh, what happened then was uh, I took my, you know, my bike got damaged. Um, and uh, the mechanic at the bike shop said that the frame had been bent out of alignment. And, uh, you know, so essentially the bike was totaled. But hopefully you were okay. I was okay. I was a little banged up and a little shaken up. My, um, my girlfriend at the time took it a lot harder than I did, but, uh, the bike wasn't so damaged that I couldn't ride at home. But, um, you know, at that point, like I said, the bike was totaled. The driver that hit me, uh, was clearly responsible and there were, um, it being, you know, Harvard square on a, I think it was a June or July day at, there were plenty of people around. So there was no problem with witnesses. Uh, so I, I ended up, this was, uh, 1991. Uh, this kind of leveraged me into a much uh, nicer bicycle. So that's when that's when things really kind of took off. I had a much nicer bicycle. It was much lighter, and it was uh, a little more dedicated as a mountain bike than uh, the Nishiki was. And when it comes to choosing your new bikes, because you've been through six, hopefully they don't they didn't all have the same end result where it was due to an accident. Maybe just rust. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> that's good. That's no, good to know. No, I've been lucky since then. I, I mean, I've had a couple of self imposed accidents, which most mountain bikers are familiar with. You know, every so often you you take on something uh, riding that you um, not prepared for or not skillful enough to negotiate, and you might you know you might end up falling. Um, and getting a little banged up, but I haven't, you know, not, no, uh, no bike car accidents. No. Knock on wood that it never happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would not wish it on anybody. That's for sure. But anyways, I was able to get an, a much nicer bicycle, uh, at that time. So yeah. Well, actually on that note, what is your thought process when it comes to picking a new bicycle? Like what are some key features you look into, such as like the suspension or the wheels yeah. or what are some things you look into? I had, you know, I'll just tell you what the progression was. Um, I had, I had a bicycle made by a company called Bridgestone, which is another Japanese uh, bicycle, and it was, it was a rigid bike. It had had no suspension at all. I in 1996, I uh, bought a titanium bike um, made by a, an American company called Lightspeed, uh, and that was my first bike that had suspension on the front fork. If you know what a bicycle layout is. You know, the fork, the part that holds the front wheel and steers uh, was what we would call nowadays a hardtail. So it's rigid in the back and it had it had about two and a half inches of suspension up front. So that was my first experience with any kind of suspension. Um, in 1999, I moved to Colorado um, and people that I uh, met up with to ride out here uh, were starting to get into full suspension bikes. That means a 
bike with suspension, both front and rear. They were just starting to come into their own. I mean, suspension bikes had been out for quite a number of years at that point, but uh, some of them weren't very good. They were heavy and complicated and the suspensions didn't work very well. But long story short, in 2003, I decided it was time to upgrade again and I bought another bike. So that was um, made by a pretty well-known brand called Giant. They had a I, they had a bike I really liked, um, and the price was right. So uh, I upgraded in 2003 to my first full suspension bike, and um, that was the first bike I had had that had uh, disc brakes. And that's another kind of evolution of the mountain bike species was um, uh, developing and uh, refining the braking systems because before we had the standard brake that clamps on to the uh, wheel, the rim, we call them rim brakes. And those were susceptible to a lot of uh, problems uh, in terms of the mountain biking uh, scenario where you have, uh, if you go through um, a stream or something like that, you know, the rim will get wet and uh, the brakes will get wet and all of a sudden you have much less stopping power. And uh, it's pretty important to have stopping power on a mountain bike. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that once they developed bikes with disc brakes, I was sold on disc brakes. Um, so so those were two uh, important, I guess, steps for me was were um, getting a full suspension bike with disc brakes. And that's that's where you're located today. And that's what you have right now, right? Well, I um, I've had two bikes since then. Um, I got a better bike in 2006 by a smaller company out based out of uh, Southern California called Turner. They had a bike called the Five Spot, and that was the hot ticket. This was around 2006. And uh, they were one of the best known brands of uh, what we would call, I guess, boutique bikes. So I, I rode that bike all over the Rocky Mountain West uh, until uh, 2016. And uh, at that point, I had the wherewithal to buy yet another bike, so I've been with this bike for the last uh, a little little under three years, um, and it's made by a Canadian company called Rocky Mountain. Okay, that's good. Hopefully, it lasts you a, a longer as well. Now, the well, yeah. The next question I, I have, have two kids. <laughs> yeah. Pass it down to your Go kids. <laughs> well, no, I have two kids. I need to put through college, so I, I'm going to have this bike for a while, so, <laughs> unless I have some kind of a financial windfall, which highly unlikely. Knock on so. wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Yeah, my next question is kind of a tough one, but I'll go ahead. I don't know if you'll be able to answer, but where where do you think the future of mountain biking is heading? Let's say the way wow. they build the bikes. I know it's a really tough question. Well, um, I don't know what you've uh, done in terms of research, but the higher end, I mean, the bikes that are made essentially for the real enthusiasts, they've uh, they've gone through a kind of an evolution over the last ten or fifteen years where. I had the titanium bike, and then when uh, full suspension started coming into play, bikes uh, moved, most manufacturers moved to aluminum because, you know, suspension adds weight. And then to compensate for it, aluminum is a much lighter material. So they started, most manufacturers started making their frames out of aluminum. And then uh, subsequently, uh, I had two aluminum full suspension bikes. And then this current bike is made out of uh, carbon fiber, which is a uh, composite. It's basically uh, 
strands of carbon that are joined together by an epoxy and molded into the shape of a bicycle. So that's kind of where things are now is that uh, um, except for a few smaller manufacturers or the the cheaper bikes tend to be made out of aluminum and the more expensive bikes, which, you know, would start kind of around $2,000 would be made out of carbon fiber. Um, so I think, I think we're in an age of, uh, you know, right now, I think the field is kind of stabilized. The other thing that happened, uh, since 2006, since my last bicycle was that, um, the size of the wheels of the bike have changed. So whereas before, um, from the start of mountain biking, uh, pretty much everybody had settled on a 26 inch wheel size for mountain bikes about, I don't know, probably about 10 years ago. Uh, somebody came up with um, the idea of increasing the wheel size to 29 inches. And the market wasn't quite ready for that jump. And, and the manufacturers hadn't figured out how to make a bike that could handle well with 29-inch wheels. So uh, somebody else came up with a different wheel size, which we call 650B or 27 and a half inch uh, wheels. So we, you know, we have... Uh, at this point in time, uh, just about any bike you'd buy, except for the very lower end ones, are going to have either 27 and a half inch or 29 inch wheels. There have been a few manufacturers, a few renegade manufacturers, small, you know, small one man shops that have actually gone up to 36 inch wheels. But you start running into other problems when you start increasing the wheel size in terms of what the bike can actually do and what the rider can do on a bike. Well, there's uh, one more thing I wanted to add, Alex, and that's uh, I foresee um, electronics being integrated into mountain bikes in the future. I see electronics uh, in some way, shape or form controlling the um, drivetrain, the suspension, actually, believe it or not, the seat post, whether it goes up or down and the brakes. So that's kind of where I see things happening as terms of, you know, the next step for mountain bikes. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, I live in Canada and the winters get pretty rough here. And I don't know if they're mountain bikes per se, but I see people doing the middle of winter where snow is almost at my chest and they're riding their bikes with these massive, massive oh, yeah. wheels. Yeah, that's the fat bike. <laughs> and that's uh, that's a whole other interesting story. But there's a you might know there's a. Uh, there's a famous dog sled race called the Iditarod in Alaska every year. Um, and it's, you know, it's several hundred miles of um, a guy and his, his dog sled team uh, negotiating the wilderness in Alaska. And uh, I don't know, probably sometime back in the early 90s, they created a, a, a mountain biking equivalent where, you know, guys could actually, guys and gals could uh, ride mountain bikes over the same course. And of course, that necessitated a different kind of tire. So long story short, the evolution, what you're seeing is what we call a fat bike, which is a, um, you know, basically an old school 26 inch mountain bike that's been widened to accommodate these fat uh, four or five inch tires. And uh, with those four or five inch tires, you can kind of float on top of the snow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So now, you know, uh, whereas before, you know, you had to have fairly clear trails to have fun on a mountain bike in winter. Now you can, you know, you can get one of these fat bikes if you want to and uh, 
have a bike that you can ride, you know, you can mountain bike year round. It's become a lot more popular these days. Well, not during now because it's summer, but during the wintertime, I see them a lot more. And uh, I'm sure it's just going to keep getting more popular and people are going to ride their bikes to work during the summer and winter, regardless of the conditions. And speaking of which, this is a great segue. What time of year do you prefer to go mountain biking? Is it summer, spring, fall? Well, if I had my preferences, it would probably be spring and then uh, fall. You know, so let's say uh, March, April, May, maybe early June, and then let's just jump over to September after Labor Day and ride until November, sometimes December out here. I've, I've even ridden on uh, Christmas Eve and Valentine's Day. Uh, sometimes the winters are pretty mild out here. So, but, um, you know, my preference would be spring and fall uh, because the summers get pretty hot out here. Yeah, I was just going to say that <laughs> I didn't expect the summers to be your preferred one because because of the heat, per se. Yeah, but I'll I'll ride anyways. If if it's dry and the trails are in good shape, I'll, I'll find a way to ride. Try to start early in the morning when it's not so hot. Exactly. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> there's a way, yep. <laughs> How long does a session usually last for you? Usually, I'd say the average ride I'm going to go on these days is going to be somewhere in the three-hour range. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it'll be four or five hours, but, you know, I'm a family man. I have other commitments in my life, so I can't just, you know, <laughs> tell my spouse I'm going to be leaving uh, early in the morning right after breakfast and coming home for dinner. and She's not going to buy that. So <laughs> not again, not again. <laughs> you know, it's a, I mean, I can still do those every so often, but, uh, you know, by and large, I'd say, you know, the average ride is going to be about um, three to four hours these days. That's still pretty impressive. Yeah, thanks. I, you know, I like to keep going. Uh, I'm, I'm not super young, so uh, this gives me something to look forward to. And, you know, like I said, it keeps me in shape. And do you tend to always go through the same paths or do you like trying new man-made paths or what's your go-to area? Well, it depends. Um, we're we're lucky here in, in the Denver area. We probably have, a, a you know, close to 100 options within, you know, somewhere between uh, 30 or 60 minutes. Uh, we've got lots of trails around here that are open to mountain bikes. But uh, I don't know if, if you've kept track of what's going on down here in the States, but Denver is kind of a hot area for people to move to. So it's getting pretty crowded and uh, it's getting harder and harder to, uh, you know, to get on the trail and feel like you have a little bit of serenity or <laughs> seclusion from uh, society. But there, there's a I, I usually I mean, these days I'm usually going on. Uh, most of my writing is on trails that I've ridden before. Every so often I'll get an opportunity to go out for a whole day and I'll I'll explore something out uh, a little further out from Denver. Uh, just to get away from the city and, you know, see something new. I like that you're very adventurous. You're willing to try new yeah. places. Even if uh, the city's getting crowded, you're willing to go out of your way to go find new places. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll you know, if I, I have a couple of friends that I can go with, uh, you know, we'll travel two or three hours sometimes to uh, get to a place that sounds interesting and that maybe we haven't uh, we haven't ridden at before. And during these long adventures, what do you usually bring with you? Well, I have, um, do you know what a camelback is? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I have a I have a pack. It's not a it's not actually the brand Camelback, but it's the same idea. And uh, you know, it carries water and it's a it's like a small backpack with a water carrier inside and a you know, and a tube that I can reach uh for w- while I'm riding. Um but it, it usually I carry one or two uh inner tubes. Um I carry uh, what they call a multi-tool, which has an, asse- uh, uh, an assortment of um, wrenches uh, to tighten up bolts or loosen them, as the case may be. Um, I'll carry um, a patch kit in case I have a ride where I get too many flats and I use up my inner tubes. I'll carry a, uh, a rain jacket because, uh, the you know, in the summer, the standard weather forecast here is uh, the day will start off sunny and then eventually sometime around two or three o'clock in the afternoon we'll have a thunderstorm um so it's always a good idea to carry a rain jacket and also a first aid kit what's it for a couple of first aid small packable first aid kits i might carry um you know an extra pair of socks if i'm going someplace where i think there's going to be a lot of water uh, crossings. It really depends on the ride. And then I, I, I have asthma, so I carry an exercise and I carry an inhaler for that. And uh, I carry my phone, of course, just in case something happens out there. And my phone also allows me to track my rides. So I, I try to keep track of the rides that I go on and, you know, the distance I cover and my average speed and that sort of thing just kind of makes it more interesting. You sound like you come prepared with everything. I try to bring as much as possible. <laughs> That's just good. And for people listening, I could be wrong, but I have a strong feeling that Jim does wear a helmet, which is very important. I wear a helmet. Yeah. There you go. So whoever's yep. listening, when you go biking, yeah. no matter what situation, always wear a helmet. I know I'm, I'm not your father. I don't need to preach no, to you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. I wear a helmet that's, um, you know, usually helmets are good for somewhere between three and five years. Uh, so I try to replace it on a regular basis. Even if it doesn't look like there's anything wrong with it, it's it's important to, you know, to keep up with uh, helmet protection. And then I, I wear a pair of uh, sunglasses, polarized sunglasses. Or if it's an overcast day, I'll wear, I'll wear a pair of uh, clear glasses to protect my eyes from, you know, rocks getting kicked up by other bikers or branches or sticks or that sort of thing. So. And um, it being Colorado, and I'm pretty fair skinned, I also wear a pretty high grade of uh, sunscreen. You almost sound like uh, Inspector Gadget, where you always have everything on hand, just popping out of a pocket. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I I prepare, you know, uh, there's special clothing to wear on longer rides. Some people who are new to the sport might not get it. But if you ride for more than an hour, you're going to want a pair of bike shorts. And if you ride in variable conditions, there are, um, you know, new fabrics out there um, that make uh, make things much more comfortable than just putting on a cotton T-shirt, pair of gym shorts. So. So, yeah, if uh, for people listening, uh, do your research beforehand before going biking, just prepare for any type of environment because Mother Nature could be ruthless and it's better to be prepared than sorry. I agree. Do you prefer to go mountain biking alone or with company? Well, it really depends. I mean, I um, I always, uh, there's a social aspect to it. You know, um, I have some friends and I'm always meeting new people out on the trails or through um, the social media. 
platforms. But, um, you know, given my schedule and the need to be flexible, I'm, I'm probably riding as much by myself as I am with a group or with other people. My last ride, which was this past uh, weekend, I met up with a small group. There were four of us. You know, we a friend of mine and I rode with them for about three hours and they, they weren't ready to stop at three hours, but I needed to get back home and do some things um, for the end of the day. So we peeled off after about three hours and the other two guys in the group kept going. That's pretty cool that you just like join in together and just go riding and then you peel off as if like it's like uh, planes just taking different paths as exactly. you're part of a mission. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and what would you say is the best part about mountain biking on a personal and emotional level? Well, uh, personal, like I said before, it's it's exercise. Um, it's a way to get out um, in nature. I, I hike from time to time with my uh, girlfriend, but uh, she's not much of a, she, she doesn't mind riding on uh, paved paths, but she's not much of a mountain biker. So we, we go on hikes together. You don't, you know, you'll see much more, you'll cover much more ground on a mountain bike because your overall speed is, is quite a bit uh, greater than you would be on foot. And uh, I, I think just uh, emotionally, it, it uh, helps me uh, stay focused. It helps me relieve stress. It, uh, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of mindfulness, but uh, it, uh, it helps me with my mindfulness practice. So there's, you know, there's a lot of benefits. If I have a stressful week, I, I have something to look forward to on Saturday morning, uh, going out for two or three hours on a mountain bike ride uh, and just uh, burning off all the stress that's accumulated over the course of the week. I could imagine that. Like you get onto your bike and if let's say it's a very pent up anger or stress or anxiety, the faster you pedal, the faster it gets out. Well, I'm exaggerating, but it's like pedal to the metal. The more you put into it, the more it releases faster. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And and I hear the same thing from runners, you know, when they get into the zone. The world the world's a blur around them. That's cool. Exactly. Now, what was your biggest challenge when you first started mountain biking? The first challenge, I think, was just um, I didn't know much about, you know, like I said, when I bought my first mountain bike, uh, I didn't really think about riding it off road. So I didn't have any of the gear that I have now. I didn't know much about where I could ride. Um, I like I said, I was living in the Boston area and that's a pretty urban environment. So I didn't even know where to go. So that was just a, a journey of exploration. And then, of course, I, you know, I hadn't really been that physically active exercise wise during my years as a musician. So I wasn't in very good shape. Um, I didn't smoke or anything, but I just wasn't, you know, <laughs> I was walking a lot and I was riding my bike to work. But, um, you know, mountain biking requires a whole new level of fitness that I didn't have. And then, of course, being prepared for any uh, anything that could happen. I, I went on a, a group ride once um, after I got my second bike and uh, I broke my chain and I wasn't ready for, uh, you know, I didn't know what to do. Unfortunately, there was a, there was another biker on the ride that knew what to do and he had the tools. So I, you know, I kind of learned a lesson that day <laughs> of, uh, you know, you kind of need to be prepared for whatever uh, the ride might give you. And uh, so I, you know, gradually got a little toolkit together that would, you know, uh, even though the, you know, if something broke on my bike, I would be able to finish the ride. 
well, that's good. That experience taught you to be prepared as in like every little step. Like, oh, should have brought that. Should have brought this. Yeah. Oh, should have yeah. brought that. <laughs> yeah. You see either something happens to you or you see something happen to another writer. And then you see how they figure out how to solve the problem that they encounter on the ride. Of course, nowadays, bikes are much more reliable and durable than they used to be. You don't see as many things break. But, you know, every so often somebody will will go a little too hard on something and something will break. They're pushing the limits. They're testing the, the boundaries of the bike. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm not in that category, but uh, there are, you know, riders out there that are taking it to the limit. Now, what would be your current biggest challenge? Well, my current biggest challenge, I think, is just having the time to ride. I, I If I had my uh, my own way, if I didn't have other people depending on me, I'd, I'd be riding probably three or four days a week, especially now that the days are long, I could bring my bike with me and uh, to work and then ride after work. But at this point, um, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of riding during the week, maybe, uh, you know, when it's all said and done a couple hours. And then I'm uh, on the weekends, I'm, I'm going for a, a, a ride of, uh, you know, three to four hours usually. But, you know, the biggest challenge, like I said, is, is having the time. Yeah. No, it, who has time for anything anymore? Like, who has time for your hobby? Podcast, shout out right there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that was a really yeah. cheesy plug in, but yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if this ever happened to you. I have a feeling it did. Uh, injuries. Um, one yeah. that's really common for me when I used to use my mountain bike is I would miss the pedal and it was like a metal teeth pedal and it would just swing back and eat right into my skin. Has that happened to you? Right. In, yeah, that's happened to me. Um, Nowadays, I mean, when I uh, shortly after I got my second bike, I switched over to what we call clipless pedals, where your you know your shoe has a cleat on it, and uh, it kind of snaps into the into the pedal itself, and that you know that's all but eliminated that that aspect of mountain biking for me. Although you know the way things are evolving now, a lot of the younger riders are riding with basic flat pedals, so. Um, you know, if you go onto a Facebook page or something like that, you'll see somebody who, you know, who that happened to, they slipped off the pedal and it banged into their shins and, you know, raked up their shins a little bit. So it's not pleasant. <laughs> no, it's not. And, uh, you know, a lot of people now are wearing shin guards when they ride because of that. No, that makes sense. And what are some misconceptions about people who do mountain biking? That we're all, uh, I think the biggest thing, you know, and this is kind of like media and hype and commercials. And uh, I don't watch much TV these days, but, I, you know, even on any kind of social media, you'll see some advertising. Um, I, I think a big misconception is that mountain bikers are extreme athletes who do crazy stuff. Um, you know, there's there's a, a group of riders that do what they call the Red Bull Rampage. Uh, every year and they they uh, jump their bikes off of 30 to 60 foot cliffs basically and uh, you know they get they get awarded and and rewarded for for being able to accomplish that and uh, you know the good thing is that it's pushed um, manufacturers to make really durable mountain bikes that can withstand a lot of abuse and it showed people the potential of what can be done on a bicycle but I, you know, I, I think if somebody wants to get into the sport, all you need is a bicycle and, uh, you know, a water bottle and a helmet and sunglasses and the willingness to um, give it a try. I, I, I kind of thought of it as kind of a, 
you know, it's an alternative to hiking. Um, I didn't really think of it as as a way to uh, be a daredevil going off of, uh, you know, four or six foot jumps. I just think of it as a way to get out into nature, to challenge myself physically and uh, to get some exercise. And, uh, you know, the the nicer bikes out there um, are costing, you know, uh, somewhere in the range of $2,000 and up. The sky is almost the limit nowadays. I don't think it has to cost that much. I think if you have a, you know, even if you have an older bike, you can get out on the trails if the tires are in good shape and the brakes work. You know, you have to ride within your limits. You're not going to be doing the stuff on an older bike that you you see some of these guys on uh, TV or or uh, YouTube doing. But you can still get out on the trail and have a mellow ride and get some exercise and get out into nature. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. practice makes perfect, so take your time. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a couple of uh, loosely organized groups that host rides for beginners. And, um, you know, I, I think some of, the, some of the riders out here and in most urban areas are, are more than willing to uh, help people uh, who want to try it out get into the sport and, um, you know, not be too intimidating or that sort of thing. So, yeah. Speaking of which, are you one of those people that would want to present this hobby to the world or keep it more to yourself? Well, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be willing to be a, a spokesperson for it. Um, I, I don't know if I'm the right. I mean, I think manufacturers like to sell the the excitement, you know, the guys jumping off of the cliffs and seeing their bike go around a corner real fast and kicking up a lot of dirt and that sort of thing. And I, that, that's just not where I'm at. So I don't know if... Um, I don't know if that would be, I would be the person for that, but, uh, um, you know, so yeah. Well, you know what? You're, you're the spokesperson right now to everybody else, the ones that don't jump off cliffs. So the people listening to the podcast saying, you know what? I want to give mountain bike a try. You know what? Jim has convinced me that, oh, somebody like me can do it. That's the people you're talking to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. You're yep. a spokesperson right now. Boom. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of which, being a, such a great spokesperson, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in starting this hobby? If they had to give one big piece of advice, what would it be? Well, um, I think keep it simple and keep it mellow. Try to um, stay within your limits. Don't think you have to go out and on your first ride and, you know, ride for several hours, ride for half an hour, you know, ride down a dirt path at a park in your area or in your neighborhood and um, see what happens. See if you like it. Try to ride with some people. Try to go on one of those beginner rides. And, um, you know, you learn a lot from other people, especially people with experience. There's a, another aspect of mountain biking that people probably don't um, necessarily pay attention to early on or are necessarily aware of. I was heavily involved with uh, mountain biking advocacy uh, when I lived in the Boston area, um, it was, you know, it's a fairly uh, populous, densely populated area and uh, land is at a premium. So uh, being able to uh, create and maintain the trails that we ride on is very important. And teaching people who come into the sport kind of, the, you know, just con what I think is common sense etiquette in terms of other users on the trails, other users being hikers, uh, people on horseback and that sort of thing. It's important to treat them with respect and dignity. Some of them have a relatively adversarial attitude towards mountain bikers, maybe based on personal experience or 
something along those lines. And uh, there are organizations that I've uh, mentioned, uh, International Mountain Biking Association. There's probably a local chapter, if you live in any area, that has any sizable mountain biking in it uh, that you could join or at least look into. They usually have volunteer days where you can go out and actually help with the actual maintenance of the trails that you ride on. And I think that's a a really important aspect of being a mountain biker. That's perfect advice. It's straight to the point and simple to understand. Do just bite enough so you can chew off. I I butchered that expression, but the idea is that don't take too much that you can't chew. So just do it step by step. Yeah. Or pedal by pedal or rotation by rotation. I'm really bad with these analogies. Uh, That's okay. That's okay. So do you have any social media links or websites that you would like to share? There's, well, if you're in the Colorado area, there's, there's uh, Front Range Mountain Biking. There's Colorado Mountain Biking, which are both Facebook pages. There's the Colorado Mountain Biking Association or Comba uh, has a Facebook page and a website. International Mountain Biking Association or IMBA has a website and a, and a Facebook page. I'm on Facebook. There are several web websites. One's called pinkbike.com. The other one's called M- mtbr.com. And, uh, you know, I, I'm on uh, Reddit. My Reddit name is J-E-M Colorado. And, uh, you know, if people I'm on, there's at least a couple of mountain biking sites on Reddit. So uh, I'm on there and I, you know, people come on and uh, ask, you know, what kind of a bike should I buy? I have this much money and I'm pretty confident I can point them in the right direction. That's pretty cool. So that's perfect. I'll put all the information in the description below so people can click, follow, talk to you. You sound you're very open. You're very welcoming. You're very knowledgeable as well, which is perfect. I can give you a Gmail address if you want. Yeah, if you're willing to share it, yeah, by all means. Uh, this is all lowercase. It's Eddie, E-D-D-Y, biker, six zero, at gmail.com. Perfect. I'll, I'll put that in the description below as well so people can send you a message. And by all means, people, when you send messages, please be respectful. Jim's a human and don't do any harassment, anything like that. He's a very nice person and he's very welcoming. And also he likes to talk about mountain bikes. So yeah, re- try to keep it to mountain bike. Okay. I'm not, That's my mountain <laughs> I'm not, bike. I'm not trying to get yeah. skull anybody. Yeah. I'm not trying to skull anybody, but yes, exactly. We're all human. And Jim is, was generous enough to give his Gmail. So that's perfect. Now, do you have any questions for me about mountain biking? You sound like you have tried mountain biking at least once. Uh, yeah, I've tried it a few times, actually. So I live in Ottawa, which is the capital of uh, Canada. And where I live is like on the border of it's in Ontario, but it's also on the border of Quebec. So there's a lot of parks and there's a park called the Gatineau Parks, which is huge and has a lot of bike trails. And I went there once going uphill and getting lost in the, the hills with friends. And it's a great experience. A lot of bugs. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing we don't have too much out here. I'm from Maine originally, so I know about bugs in the summertime. So, yeah. I should be doing mountain biking where you are. Well, if you ever get a chance to go out uh, west, uh, you might. I I know uh, British Columbia has a very well-established and avid mountain bike community. And uh, that would be, you know, probably a game changer. No, I I would definitely imagine that. 
I would definitely give that a try. Yeah, I actually just lent my mountain bike to my brother-in-law, so I don't currently have one, but uh, I would love to get back just to give it a try with my wife. And well, if you if you go to a uh, if you go to a park or a resort, they often rent bikes. Um, of course, it's nice to use your own bike that you're familiar with, but uh, I don't know how old your bike is. But you know, if it's more than five or six years old, you'd be surprised at how uh, how much bikes have changed, even in that period of time and uh you know if you rented a bike you'd get a fairly new bike so i th i guess i think my bike is halfway through its age cycle so it's two two and a half years old if bikes oh, that's not that bad yeah <laughs> but uh, i mean i had my last bike for almost 10 years so. okay so yeah so i just gotta maintain my bike really well and hopefully it lasts just as long as yours exactly yeah mm-hmm if you don't abuse it and you keep it in the garage or under, you know, out of the weather, especially in the winter, it, sh it should last as long as you need it to. I'm going to keep mine in my bedroom right beside me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it can be dangerous because like a lot of hobbies, it can it can suck up a lot of time and money. Um, like I said, you know, uh, decent bikes are, can get quite expensive. But, um, you know, that being said, you know, you don't if you have a mountain bike and it's not being taken out into the trails or the mountains, you should at least try it once just to see. I'll have to find a good day to do it when it's not too humid, because I would imagine it's horrible doing it while it's extremely humid. <laughs> it, it can be challenging, that's for sure. But, you know, sometimes you can uh, plan a bike, a bike ride out around a swimming hole. So you have a little bit of a. Uh, cool down after the you know after the ride exactly well i was thinking if i ever do that i'll just ride really close to the the water and i just would jump off from the bike right into the water <laughs> right exactly so uh yeah there you have it another body with a hobby thank you so much jim for coming on and that's my pleasure yeah i had a great time you shared a lot of knowledge i learned more about bikes and how they're made the evolution of them and how you went through six bikes and i'm sure you're gonna go through more but I'm sure they're going to last very, a very long time, each one of them. Mm -hmm. And if you want to learn more about Jim, you could send him an email. You can even contact him through Reddit. He also shared a lot of websites, which I'll put in the description below. So you can go check those out. And yeah, thank you so much again, Jim. Okay, thank you. There you have it. If you want to be on my podcast, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you think this episode is good and helpful, you could send it to anybody who might be going through a hard time and needs the exercise or needs the adventurous, the wilderness, or just the whole experience of riding a mountain bike. Cause there's so much to take in when you go through nature on a mountain bike. And yeah, there you have it until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.